The year was 1860, and Americans were moving to the West, seeking new opportunities and hoping to strike it rich. As they did, businessmen realized they too could make their fortune by providing much-needed services to the new frontier. One such business venture would be romanticized and remembered well into the future, despite the fact that it only lasted about 18 months and was ultimately a complete and total failure. But, much like HPH, that business shouldn't be measured by its successes or failures. It's all about the adventures it created and the legends who were a part of the story. And that is why you should saddle up, grab a bottle of 3X whiskey, and enjoy this episode of Hunter Proof History, titled The Pony Express, Delivering Horse Shit Since 1860. This is Hundred Proof History. We're drinking whiskey and talking history. So, grab a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy a few laughs as the guys talk about all the horrible things people do to each other. Here are your hosts, Chris and Greg. Well, howdy, stranger. Why don't you pull up a seat next to the campfire here and have yourself a little whiskey. There you go. They call me Wild Tex, but the name's actually Tex, Texas, Texman Firestein. My mom are married. I, uh, I took my dad's step name, so howdy and shalom. But I reckon you probably already heard of me. After all, I was the youngest man to us to ever ride from the Pony Express. Yes, sir. The year was 1860. The rider who was supposed to make the trip had a big old flare-up of gonorrhea, and his balls were the size of goddamn tumbleweeds. So I decided it was up to me. I climbed right out of my dear mama's uterus, chopped down on my umbilical cord, turned that thing into a lasso, and I climbed up on that pony and I rode it all the way to California. <laughs> leaving behind me a disgusting trail of placenta that would show me the way back home. What's that you say? It's 2021 and I'd have to be 160 for that to have happened? Well, thank you. I might not look it, but uh, I've been around for a while. Matter of fact, the reason I'm wearing a camo jacket and dog tags right now, holding this cardboard sign, instead of wearing that traditional clothing of a real cowboy and holding a gun or lasso or a cow or something is because I served in every major war over the past century and a half. That's right. No, no. There's no need to thank me for my service. But if you ever see me in a Starbucks, you just give me a smile, a little knowing nod, and then you pay for my goddamn Frappuccino because I'm an American hero, you son of a bitch. Whoa, 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 slow down. Easy there, partner. Hey, don't go getting out of line by calling me a delusional hobo sitting next to a burning trash barrel in the middle of an abandoned mall parking lot. You wouldn't want to make me mad, would you? You wouldn't like me when I'm mad. You just finish off that there drink, and you drift off into the ether, as my good friends from Hunter Proof History tell you all about the Pony Express. Who knows? Maybe I'll come up. But don't you worry your pretty little mouth. This'll all be over by morning. But until then, happy trails to you. Till we meet again. Good night, sweet prince. Okay. <laughs> Did he drug the man? <laughs> it's very, you know, it's speculative. We don't know. 
Okay. <laughs> Nothing's going to hold up in court. That's all I'm saying. All right. Well, that was uh, quite the interesting little little intro from our nameless cowboy friend. Does oh, he have it, a name? It was Wild Tex, man. Wild Tex, Texas Texman Oh, Firestick. how could I forget? <laughs> <laughs> because he got his dad's step name. Yeah, I don't know. He, he was probably really <laughs> drunk when he was talking about all that. I don't know yeah. what's uh-huh. wrong with him. <laughs> As hobos are wont to be. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, welcome in, everyone, to another fun, exciting episode of 100 Proof History. Did I sound convincing, Chris? That might have been the worst way anybody's <laughs> ever said fun and exciting. Fun, exciting episode of 100 Proof History. But no, we're, we're here again, as we are every week until we're not. What, bitch? <laughs> you're, you're really bringing the energy. <laughs> yeah, we're here until we're not. Fi- ah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Get excited. Get a pump for this fucking awesome story that we don't have to inflate. Like, you Woo! know. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Let's go. <laughs> we're fucking here. We're bringing the energy. It's time for another episode of 100 Proof History. We're bringing the fun. We're bringing the fucking excitement. We're bringing the pain. Yeah. God damn it, that didn't work either. Now, raging. Right. I got the strong like bull going on. Here we go. I'm ready. I'm excited. As always, I'm your main host, Gregory, and I'm joined by your co-host, Christopher, who sounds nothing like Tex Texman. I don't care what your fucking emails say. Definitely wasn't him. Well, Gregory, today we are talking about the Pony Express, a Wild West legendary story. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people have heard about it, don't know the story. Our main source is West Like Lightning, the brief legendary ride of the Pony Express by Jim DeFelice. And uh, you know what? I'm going to do this, Greg. I'm going to do it. I'm going to put this in the do not recommend pile. I think I think maybe that needs an asterisk next to it, though. Yeah. If you just want to learn about, like, generalities about, you know, the old west of America, mm-hmm. different stories here and there, it's great. Right, yes. If you want to know specifically only about the Pony Express, ah, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, honestly, what could he have done? As you will come to find out, the Pony Express was not a long-lasting thing, so there's some some stories and tall tales in there, which he identifies as such. And we're going to kind of follow in his footsteps in that regard. We're going to tell you the overarching story of the Pony Express, but we're also going to mix in some interesting characters from the Pony Express story and, you know, mostly talk about them because they're way more interesting than this fucking company. (laughs) (laughs) I don't recommend this book. We're going to follow in the author's footsteps. (laughs) He did exactly what I would do. Like, oh, fuck, what did I get myself into? I said I would do this. Here I am. All right, let's make it good, people. Let's make it good. Well, are you ready to get into this fabulous, non-boring tale? <laughs> well, don't sell it. Like, there's going to be exciting parts. There's no, cool there, shit. There, there's, there's a lot of cool shit. Definitely cool shit. Yeah, and trust us, we're going to focus on that, guys. But yeah, we do have to talk a little business up front. So let me do that for you right now. Well, the story begins with three men, William Russell, William Waddell, and Alexander, don't fucking call me William, Majors. 
1854, these three guys went into business together, shipping goods for the army. While this was a pretty lucrative contract and earned the company about a half a million dollars in profits, which would be about $16 million today. Unfortunately, in 1857, the U.S. government decided to go to war with the Mormons in Utah over a territorial dispute, and because up to that point pretty much everyone had hated the Mormons and had driven them off of their own land. So the Mormons were a little bit like, well, these troops showing up, what's happening? Let's go to war. Now, this wasn't a particularly violent war, and there was no major military action, but the Mormons destroyed the ever-loving shit out of some supply wagons. And your boys, Russell, Waddell, and Majors, were left holding the bag when the U.S. government told them they were shit out of luck. This doesn't sound like our government. Seems like they would want to support the little guy, try to make you know, some money. Like, kinda... Yeah, I don't, I don't really believe this part of the story. Yeah, this is so. bullshit. Yeah, a lot of Wild West... Uh, fiction is in this story, and I think that's a big part of it, the the fact that the U.S. government didn't support uh, a corporation. Actually, you know what? Now that I said that out loud, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make <laughs> sense. Yeah, I think the officials in our government were too busy uh, drinking the blood of children mm-hmm. in a ping-pong and pizza restaurant's basement. That makes sense. That adds up. If you think about it, it really adds up. Oh, wait, now that I've said that out loud, I realized I'm a fucking idiot. (laughs) Well, Russell, Waddell, and Majors saw an opportunity to make their money back, and then some, by securing the mail contracts for the rapidly growing population of California. More like... California. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there he is. Please put me out of my misery, Chris. Please! (laughs) My brain is a cesspool! (laughs) Well, that contract wasn't up until November of 1860, and the government wasn't just going to give it to some a-holes who had all their stuff jacked by Mormons. Like, that's pretty fucking embarrassing, right? You made a Mormon, they're like the nicest people in the world, they got their special underwear and their extra book of the Bible, they're going door-to-door asking if you've heard the truth. You're like, and this, this kid, I, I'm not afraid of this kid. Like, I, I weigh 110 pounds, I haven't lifted a weight in 20 years, but I, I'm pretty sure I could take this fucking kid. And he thanked me for the, my service, as I did. You know, I was uh, I was in basic training with a a Mormon gentleman mm-hmm. who had the special underwear. Yeah, and you saying that now remind like I think the next time they come to the door, I'm just gonna sit there, kind of listen for the first like three minutes, and then be like, "Let me see your panties, boys. <laughs> just see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> just see what they do. You know." Yeah. I'm dialing 911 right now. <laughs> Don't you dial that last one. Don't press send. Don't press send. <laughs> I know how to make your underwear magical. Let's take them off, boy. <laughs> I'll throw them in my magic cauldron. Come on in. I have one. Boil and bubble stew. You're in trouble. <laughs> God has forsaken you. <laughs> And that's when Greg opens the door, and he's got his kimono, and he's tucked. Let's <laughs> see them pants, boy. <laughs> he's got a strap on. <laughs> Why do you have a strap on and you're tucked? <laughs> well, the strap on's below the normal penis. Okay. Because the normal penis, the erection quality isn't the best, so it helps to prop it up. <laughs> okay. It serves as a shelf almost. <laughs> Double penetrating shelf. 
It's like one of those uh, vibrators the women's have, where one goes in and the other tickles the clitoris. So I'm sorry, the what? The woman's. <laughs> no, the other word you said. Clitoris. Clitoris. Never heard of it. It's <laughs> where the pee comes out, stupid. Oh. <laughs> anyway. Oh, a uh, history podcast. I, uh, I guess. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, to get that contract, these guys are going to have to make a splash. Get their names out there and let people know that they're interested. And so naturally, they send some unsolicited dick pics. Yeah, that always gets the ladies. And the congressman. Probably gets the congressman a little bit more often than it gets the ladies, let's just be honest. But that didn't work. And so, William Russell came up with another idea. The Pony Express. Well, the idea behind the Pony Express was simple. You take mail from the end of the telegraph lines in Missouri and get it to California within 10 days. And that was a pretty tall order. It took stagecoaches weeks to make the same journey, and wagon trains full of settlers had to plan for the trip to take months and had to leave early so they didn't get caught up in bad weather. Like, uh, like some story I've heard about some people, like they waited too long to take the wagon train west. And they I just had... remember they were having a party. Yeah, that's what it was. They were having a good time, a real good time. That party got cold. Everybody has a good time when they eat their own father's heart. And watch their husband murdered and dissected for food, right? Episodes 31 through 33. There we go, Donner Party. <laughs> well, when Russell pitched the idea of the Pony Express to a senator named Gwen, the senator got a raging semi, just soft in the middle, but, you know, the two ends were just fucking rock hard. <laughs> and he basically guaranteed the California postal contract if the Pony Express worked as Russell said it would. Now his partners, Waddell and Majors, they were less than thrilled. They are already broke as fuck, and they knew that there was absolutely no way to make the Express profitable. Now Russell tried to sell it to them by saying that by losing money on the Pony Express, they could get that government contract and dominate the delivery service in the West. Now they still thought he was full of shit, but he told them he had already promised the Senate he'd do it, and quote, I gave my word. We have to, end quote. And because of that, Waddell and Majors said, fake quote, Oh, fuck, we can't harm your reputation by going back on a non-binding verbal agreement. Guess we'll just go fucking broke, end quote. Except with the sarcasm, because they, they agreed with it. They said, let's do it. Yeah, they, they actually were full on with that. <laughs> oh, really shit. Really stupid when you put it in those <laughs> words. <laughs> yeah. It only took the three partners a couple of months to put the whole operation together. And so, on April 3rd, 1860, with a great deal of fanfare, the first rider left St. Joseph, Missouri. What followed was a 1,900-mile route that was comprised of 186 Pony Express stations that were, on average, about 10 miles apart. At each station, the rider would quickly hop off his horse, carrying only his locked mailbag, known as a mochila. He'd then hop on another horse... And ride on. Mochila is like Spanish equivalent of backpack. Yeah. For some reason, I never learned that in Dora the Explorer. They just called it backpack. It's like, okay, that's not helpful. It's just full of all the things she needs to carry. Is there a lot of Spanish in that show? Yeah, you never watched Dora the Explorer? 
Uh, well, I don't have kids, so... Oh, that's a requirement. No oh, fuck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, it'd be kind of <laughs> creepy if I did. It just makes me feel good about myself, because, like, she's there, like, she's like, what do we need now? What can we use out of our backpack? And I'm like, use the map, Dora! Use the map! And I feel so smart when she pulls it out and she uses the map. See? I'm gonna use the map. Yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> honey! Honey, come suck my dick right now! I'm so hard, I got it right! <laughs> it's not because I'm attracted to Dora! But if you could, like, cut your bangs, like, flat across your forehead, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I just think it's a good haircut. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in the 90s, if you gave a baby the Jennifer Aniston... It'd still be a good haircut. It'd be attractive on an adult. I still want to fuck Jennifer Aniston. Come on. But, you know. <laughs> I'm not weird. You're weird. No, I won't get out of the house. You can't I make me. I told you I'm not signing those. <laughs> Leech Rider was responsible for about 100 miles of the route, and they rode day and night until the 10-day journey from Missouri to California was complete. And... There were a lot of different riders along the route. On average, they rode 100 miles, but there were some that right. rode 45 and some that rode longer when it was required. Some rode longer and harder than others. Like uh, Lil Nas X, for instance. Yes. I'm going to take my horse to the old town road. I'm going to ride till I can't no more. And there were very specific requirements for the riders. One advertisement that supposedly existed read, Wanted. Young, skinny, wiry fellows, not over 18. Whoa, Chris, well, you're not allowed to... <laughs> it's not me, it's the ad. I didn't do this, it's the ad. Oh, sorry, I tuned out for a bit. Okay. Like, oh, keep it to yourself, bud. Yeah. <laughs> Must be expert riders willing to risk death daily. Orphans preferred chris again please <laughs> you're gonna get us in trouble <laughs> they're gonna connect you to all those crimes <laughs> they can't they can't i was too careful <laughs> now if they ever check my credit card receipts and say i bought all those single red roses maybe maybe i don't know <laughs> jesus <laughs> anyway back to this real quote Real fake quote, maybe. I don't know. Ah, just start it over. Fuck it. <laughs> Wanted. Young, skinny, wiry fellows, not over 18. Must be expert riders, willing to risk death daily. Orphans, preferred. Wages, $25 a week. End quote. And some kid's like, God, I want that job so bad. But what do I do? I have parents. And he walks in there and he goes, Mom, I'm tired of you and Trevor holding me back. And he just stabs them to death. <laughs> oh, no, it's newest. It's newest. From like fucking I want to ride the ponies, Mom. 20 episodes ago or something. <laughs> God. I'm tired of looking at Trevor's tan nipples. How does he tan the nipples? It doesn't make sense. Never love volleyball, Trevor. I'll never fucking love it. <laughs> fucking hate you. 
I'm gonna crash this pony into the Twin Towers, you fucking asshole! (laughs) (laughs) Just two adobe mounds in the Utah Territory. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can say that ad supposedly existed, because it only showed up well after the Express disappeared, and no one can find it in papers from the era. Well, you know, it's, it's fun. It's a fun story. We want some kids whose parents have died, and they're willing to die to deliver the mail. Yay. Still, we do know for a fact that the riders couldn't weigh more than 125 pounds, couldn't stop for anything, had to be willing to die to protect the mochila, and had to swear an oath to Alexander Majors. They wouldn't curse, drink, gamble, treat animals cruelly, or do anything else that was, quote, incompatible with the conduct of a gentleman, end quote. And let me break this down with a little-known fact. Now, of course, Majors spent the majority of his time in New York, so the writers could really do whatever the fuck they wanted, but for the most part, they took their job seriously. I mean, nobody was ever actually fired right. for any of those things, so... But uh, this was even true when the young, thin adventurers would get harassed by the thirst traps that lived along their route. There's even a mostly bullshit claim that one lady invented the donut to give to a rider to try and win his affections. Like, you know, instead of your normal pastry, it's got a hole in the middle so he can easily yeah. grab it on his way. Which oh, is really that's what he's stupid sounding. That's what he's supposed to do with it. Okay. <laughs> She's like, I know you're in a in that saddle for a long time. Here's a warm pastry with a hole. He's like, oh, this is easy to grab. And she's like, no, the the hole's supposed to be my vagina. You're supposed to love me because I I gave you a fake pastry. Yeah. The original version was glazed and you know the size of a flashlight. <laughs> so, and it had a clitoris where donut pee could come out. Okay, now I don't believe it. <laughs> donut pee. <laughs> Stupid. (laughs) Donut pee. Oh, you know that thing's got a yeast infection. Hey! Yes! Yes! Show over, I'm done. I can't do any better than that. I'm out. (laughs) Well, to get this level of service wasn't cheap. To send a letter with a Pony Express, it initially cost $5 per quarter ounce in weight, which would be about $160 today. And, you know, that's that was only 25,000% more than the cost of sending a letter through the regular U.S. mail service. Just, you know, gotta get there quick, man. Yeah, it's not that big of a deal. Right. That's only like three or four days average salary. No, 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 no. Eventually, they'd come to their senses and lower the price to a dollar per quarter ounce, which was only 5,000% more than a regular letter. Because of this, most people sent their letters on paper that was so thin it was practically see-through. Mmm, that Mormon paper. (laughs) If it's anything like those underwears I made the boys show me. (laughs) They're not see-through, they're very thick and cottony. I say say boys, they were 18 years old and two hours. You verified the idea, (laughs) two hours. In 18 months, the Express would carry 34,000 pieces of mail, which wasn't anywhere near enough to cover their costs. 
Now, perhaps the most famous exploit of the Pony Express, and the one our main source focuses on the hardest, began on November 6th, 1860, when some fucking nobody named Abraham Lincoln won some dumbass popularity contest known as the U.S. Presidency. Never heard of him. Hey, just so you know, he was a Republican. Oh, shit! He was. He he was a Republican. He was. He's always, like, checking basements of pizza parlors. Like, I'm on to you, motherfuckers. I'm on to you. Yeah. None of that shit changed because of the Southern strategy. None of it. Shut up, shut up, shut up. He was a Republican. He freed the slaves. (laughs) Shut your mouth. (laughs) Despite every Democrat being down south at the time, and for some reason they've completely switched places. Yeah. Wait, wait. Hmm. You don't know think what? About I don't it. want to get political on this show. <laughs> don't, don't get into the weeds, man. <laughs> just, uh, you know, just confuse you a little more. We're like, why are why are all the Republicans flying the Confederate flag now? But, but they were the the North. I don't understand. I can't. Like, my brain can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, as far west as Saint Joseph, everyone knew the results pretty much instantly, thanks to the telegraph. But in California, people had no idea, and they were all like, quote, God damn it, I hope I don't have to wait something ridiculous like 11 days to find out who won, end quote. Now where's my avocado toast, because I'm a soy boy. Hey, I can play both sides, guys. <laughs> yes! Both sides. <laughs> both sides. <laughs> I won't stop moving out of my state and going to red states where the cost of living's lower. Yeah! <laughs> Yes, everybody loves me or hates me. I don't understand how this works. Maybe they hate me. But up, up, but up, up, both sides. <laughs> well, after hearing Californians saying, I hope this doesn't take 11 fucking days, William Russell slowly put on his sunglasses, gave them a smile, and said, Watch this shit. Now, this trip delivering the election results, it would, it would be historically significant, but it wouldn't be super eventful. Like a lot of trips, it's not about the destination. It's about the friends we make along the way. And in 1860, there were several men who had become legends while working for Russell, Waddell, and Majors all along the Pony Express route. And since you've been patiently listening while we try to entertain you with the story of some shitty prehistoric version of UPS, it's only fair that we tell you about the cool dudes that helped make the Pony Express a legend. Well, just about a hundred miles down the trail from old St. Joe was the station at Rock Creek in what was then known as the Nebraska Territory. In November of 1860, you would find there one 23-year-old employee of the Russell, Waddell, and Majors Company named James Butler Hickok, better known today as Wild Bill Hickok. But back then, he was just James, and he had initially been hired to drive wagon trains down to Santa Fe, New Mexico. It was on one of these trips in the early fall of 1860 that he stumbled upon a black bear. Well, black bears are usually startled easily. So Hickok fired a warning shot. Well, that bear, which turned out to be a mama bear protecting her two cubs, wasn't impressed, and she attacked. 
She like immediately came over. She's like, I demand to see your fucking manager, Bill Hickok. You're going to talk to my fucking kids that way. Hayden and Jaden. They just want the new Call of Duty. And you're going to talk shit to them because they can't get it for their PlayStation 5s. They have multiple PlayStation 5s. Now I hate this woman. Yeah. And she's like, hey, you want to tell me I got to wear a mask? What about my fucking freedoms? <laughs> <laughs> well, according to Hickok, the bear tackled him and mauled his arm something fierce before he was able to stab the bear to death. Shit. And maybe that should be this week's Hunter Proof History Metal Moment. That November, Bill was back in Rock Creek doing some menial jobs around the Pony Express station, and if he knew that the news of the Lincoln election had come through, or if he even gave a shit, we will never know. We do know that in June of 1861, while he was still working for the Pony Express in Rock Creek, Hickok killed his first man. A dude named David McCandless was hot-pissed that the company hadn't paid him for his land, so he went to the Rock Creek station to demand his money from the station manager, Horace Wellman. He's like, he's about to be a very unwell man, <laughs> if you yeah. know what I'm saying. <laughs> no, you don't? Okay. I'm going to kill him. <laughs> I'm going to fucking kill him. Oh, oh, you, you, you still don't understand. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to put a projectile through him at a very high velocity to, to where it just rips him apart on this, uh, this small piece of rock, you know, that, that we float on throughout our entire existence of human history. I'm just, uh, I'm gonna do that. And then what we know is consciousness that is, uh, basically formed inside of our brains, a mm-hmm. bunch of neurons and dendrites, all these neural connections. They're going to cease to exist because they don't have the blood supply to support themselves anymore. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Uh, wait. Let me just ask you something. Is this a gay thing? Because, you know, I'm flattered. I'm just... Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes, it is. <laughs> well, McCandless allegedly threatened Wellman, and then he barged into the station, at which point our hero, Wild Bill Hickok, bravely shot him in the back while hiding behind a curtain. Metal moment! No, 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 no. no. Well, Hickok was placed on trial, but... No, sh- what I was... What? What I was really saying was, this universe began with a Big Bang 13.5 million years ago, and uh, with that, all of the star <laughs> stuff and everything in this universe was created and started expanding. What was it expanding in, you ask? <laughs> it's not really a thing it, so much as it's expanding, but the spaces between the objects are expanding. And I know that's hard uh. to believe, but I, that's just where I am as far as talking about th- this man. <laughs> well, so, so Big Bang, expanding object, we're still talking about gay stuff, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Please please okay. continue your story. Just making sure. Just making sure. Okay, okay. I'm erect either way. I just wanted to make sure I was, <laughs> you know, in the right space. It's not your penis expanding. It's the space in between the atoms that uh, comprise your penis that are actually expanding. Except in the middle. They, they're saying the same, same size for some reason. It's still soft there. It's still soft there. <laughs> 
Well, Hickok was placed on trial, but the shooting was somehow ruled self-defense, and he was acquitted. Little known fact, Wild Bill felt just awful about killing McCandless. And so, following his acquittal, he went to the widow McCandless and apologized. As restitution, he gave her all the money he had in the world. Which amounted to about $35. Worth it. It's the thought that counts, Chris. It's the thought that just got that $35. What? <laughs> well, old Bill Hickok would go on to serve the Union in the Civil War, initially working as a scout, but eventually he became a detective. Which sounds fancy, but it just meant he snitched on soldiers who drank or who owed the Union Army money. Fucking little bitch. Come on, man. Be cool. Be cool. You know, salute my service, you piece of shit. <laughs> now, he did this despite the fact that he drank like a goddamn fish and gambled every penny he ever earned. My man. Yeah, right? He would later be described as, quote, a drunken, swaggering fellow who delighted when on a spree to frighten nervous men and timid women, end quote. So you boys wear them special panties or what? (laughs) (laughs) You guys want to see my double dick? One of them is fake, but you can't tell which one. (laughs) Well, in 1865, Hickok got into a pissing match with a fellow gambler named David Tutt over a watch Hickok had lost in a poker game. Hickok was embarrassed he had lost to a guy who kissed his own biceps and called himself King Tut, which didn't actually happen. I just like to paint the image of the... Hey, bro, you come at the king. You best not miss, right? <laughs> oh, right? I did karaoke version of uh, Walk Like an Egyptian, and that's exactly what I did. So I feel like this is a personal slight to me. Oh, it definitely is. It definitely okay. is. Okay. Now I know. You didn't insist on showing me that video to make me see how big your biceps are. While you hand me a glass of wine every fucking time I come over there. Well, Hickok asked Tut not to wear the watch in public. On July 21st, Tut saw Hickok in the street, pulled up his shirt sleeve to reveal the watch, and said, fake quote, Guess what time it is? Suck my balls o'clock, bitch! End fake quote. (laughs) The two men then sized each other up and had what became the first quick-draw duel in recorded history. Now, they were both quick on the draw, but Tut missed. Hickok's bullet hit Tut right in his mummified heart, killing Tut dead. (laughs) I got confused myself. He's calling himself King Tut, and I'm like, oh, he's a mummy. It makes sense. No, he died, (laughs) because he was mummy from like thousands of years earlier. Yeah, I've seen his fucking bitch ass in the British Museum. Okay. (laughs) Spoiler alert. (laughs) Right? Well, Hickok was once again arrested, and once again, he was acquitted on some bullshit claim of self-defense. Motherfucker showed me his watch. You knew that was that was it. Had to go. Had to he, go. He said it was killing time, and then he showed me his watch. So what am I to do? Yeah, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Classic case of self-defense. I rest my case. I said, show me your magic underwear. And he said, fuck you, bitch. That's, that's aggressive. <laughs> that's really aggressive. I had to go at him. You will not fuck me. I will fuck you. Bang, bang. <laughs> shot fence. <laughs> well, after that happened, a reporter from Harper's new monthly magazine 
wrote a couple of highly doctored versions of Hickok's killing of David McCandless and David Tut, and the Wild Bill legend was born. Well, yeah, but that legend was born with, like, the umbilical cord wrapped around its <laughs> neck, and so it was really hypoxic and, and blue, and so the doctors <laughs> had to do some emergency surgery to save it. So, Yeah, yeah. Just putting that out there. Yeah, people don't know that. Something else I want to put out there, little known fact, the wild part of Wild Bill's name came from the fact that Hickok looked and acted like a wild man. If you ask Hickok where Bill came from, He'd say it was in honor of his father, William, but most likely it was because people made fun of his huge nose by comparing it to a duck's bill, which pissed Wild Bill right the fuck off. You didn't say that shit to his face. No. Or to his homies. (laughs) Well, Wild Bill would go on to work as a lawman in several cities and territories and would kill a shitload of people in his capacity as a cop. Eventually, he gave up that life and moved around the country, even briefly working as an actor in a show that Greg's going to tell you all about in a little bit. But he still loved drinking, and he loved gambling, to the point he was constantly broke and was arrested a few times for vagrancy. Old wild hobo Bill. Rufian travelers. Sitting in that parking lot. (laughs) (laughs) Burning his burn barrel. (laughs) Telling tales of the Pony Express. (laughs) On August 1st, 1876, Wild Bill found himself playing poker in the town of Deadwood, North Dakota. Named after my penis. North Dakota, not uh, Deadwood. It's just, it's it's a weird thing. I don't really have time to go into it. He was dominating his opponent, Jack McCall, who got offended when Wild Bill told him he should probably stop playing for the night and offered to buy McCall breakfast. I can I can see it. I can see getting pissy about that. Like he was just sick of doming, you know. Yeah, he wanted to be a sub for a bit. <laughs> well, that following morning, while Bill returned to the saloon to play, ordinarily he wouldn't sit with his back to the door, but there was only one open chair, and another player told him he could fuck off when he asked if they could switch seats. Wonder how that guy felt later. Well, shortly thereafter, Jack McCall entered the saloon, pulled out a revolver, and shouted, Damn you! Take that! And then he shot Wild Bill in the back of the head at point-blank range. Shockingly, the bullet that obliterated Wild Bill's brain matter and sent it flying onto the jackass that wouldn't get out of his chair also killed Wild Bill Hickok to death. Legend has it that Wild Bill had been playing five-card stud poker, and in his hand he had two pair, black aces and black eights. To this day, it is referred to as the dead man's hand. But Wild Bill was just one of several historical figures who found themselves tied into the story of the Pony Express. We're going to tell you about a couple more of these dudes, and of course, tell you what happened to the Express and the men who created it. But first. It's time to tie our horses to the old hitching post, saddle up to the bar, listen to the player piano, and order a whiskey and a prostitute, and take a gosh darn rootin' tootin' break. Wait, it's the olden times right now? Yes, yeah. Can I go beat my wife? Well, I mean, it's the olden times, there's no law again. In front of her boyfriend? Yeah, I can't do that, I can't do that. <laughs> no, uh, no, it's still not allowed. Still uh, not allowed. Well, you take a break, and I'm just going to sit here and wait, then. 
Okay. <laughs> right. I'm not allowed to leave the room, so. All right, we are back from break. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I know I did. Had another drink, trying to talk my wife into getting us another dog because I want something that will love me unconditionally. Ignore all my flaws, never hear this podcast and understand what the hell I'm saying and uh, why <laughs> she should hate me. Uh, she shot that down immediately because she said she doesn't need, quote, another anchor, unquote, to tie her to me. So... You know, just a good time, but I had more booze, so I'm feeling pretty okay. Greg, how about you, buddy? Oh, you know, just had a little snacky poo, a little drinky poo, a little drinky poo two, <laughs> drinky poo three. Uh, man, I'm just, I'm really ready to tackle the rest of this Pony Express story. Aren't we all? Isn't everybody? Everybody's like, how does this, how does this thing end? How does this wrap up? I bet it's very exciting, and you're probably right, but you won't find out until we crack open our second half seltzers. Second half seltzer! Second half seltzer! Second half seltzer! And a three, a two. I did it too early. One, you five. premature <laughs> son of a bitch! <laughs> this is what your wife was talking about. Now I get it. <laughs> She just says something nice. She's like, oh, yeah, you uh, you shaved today. I'm like, oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> it is refreshing, though. And now I am ready for Gregory to take us home tonight. Well, by November 7th, 1860, the Pony Express riders would have been in Fort Kearney in the middle of the Nebraska Territory. Over the following day, the route would take them across the entire territory on a short dip into northeastern Colorado, and then to Horseshoe Station in the southwestern part of Wyoming. This stretch was known as Division Two, and it was managed by a hard-ass named Jack Slade. If there was ever a dude who truly earned his job as a middle manager, it was Jack Slade. Along this stretch was a small river crossing known as Julesburg, owned and operated by a guy named Jules Rennie. In 1859, when the route was used by stagecoaches, people found that a lot of their horses tended to be stolen when they stayed in Julesburg, and Jules Rennie didn't seem to give a shit about that for some strange, unknown reason. Who would know? Who would know? But in 1860, the Russell, Waddell, and Majors Company hired Jack Slave as superintendent of Division Two, and he wasn't going to let anyone steal horses from the Pony Express. In fact... He found out that Jules had already stolen company horses, so Slade repossessed them. Jules wasn't too thrilled with that decision. He thought about it rationally, mm -hmm. and he made the best educated decision that he could. And he gathered up a few buddies, ambushed Slade, and blasted him with a double-barrel shotgun. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's, that's standard shit. Seems reasonable. Yeah, because you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. You don't live in these Eastern Bloc efficiency apartments like I do. We kind of, we band together. You hear the repo man out there taking your your 1994 Toyota uh, Camry that you worked very hard to pay for. It took, like, I don't know, a hundred shifts at the Little Caesars to pay for that fucking car. 
And then all of a sudden, this jackass taking it because you aren't paying the bill. Well, you just gather your buddies up. You go out there and raise a little hooting and hollering commotion. Get your card back. Sometimes you got to kill a guy, Greg. This is this is American life. This is this is how people work. And you're just in your fucking ivory tower, your big fucking ivory tower, thinking about, oh, that's stupid. Why don't they just pay their bills? Oh, okay. Oh, just pay your bills. That's the easy solution, right? You put right? down that yourself. And you know what? You drop that Chevy Cavalier while you're at it, you son of a bitch. I mean, it is American. It's a lot harder to get that car and keep it than it was to get that shotgun. That was really fucking easy. I'm not going to lie. Well, by this time, Slade was already well known across the country as a badass cowboy that you didn't fuck with. He killed his first man when he was just 13, when the guy got pissy that Slade and some friends had tipped over an outhouse with the guy still inside. (laughs) Over the following years, Slade killed anyone who crossed him and was a notoriously angry and mean drunk. Naturally, it was going to take more than something as small as a chest full of buckshot to stop Jack Slade. He took a minute or two to heal up in St. Louis, then went out and found his would-be assassin, Jules Rennie, and killed him. Well, he shot him, then he tied him to a fence post, shot him until he was either bored or out of ammo, and then cut off Jules' ears. Normal reaction. That's a normal human thing to do. I understand. Yeah. See where he's coming from. And, Gregory, little known fact, Slade actually kept one of Jules' ears as a souvenir, and he liked to joke with bartenders by saying that would be his payment for his whiskey. Just slap it down on the counter, say, hey, all right, here we go, here's my payment. No, we, we don't want to take money at this establishment, sir. Anyway, then he would get piss drunk, fire off his pistols randomly, fight anyone and everyone, and then pass out in the street. But the next day, he'd always go back to the bar, apologize, and offer to pay the damages. A swell guy. Slade would work for the Pony Express for the entire time it was in operation, and in 1863, he moved to Virginia City, Montana. It was here that someone finally had enough of his drunken buffoonery and arrested him. He made an armed escape from the jail, and then got the judge to drop all the charges. At gunpoint. Nice. But soon thereafter, an angry lynch mob caught up to old Jack, and he was hanged. Back in 1860, the riders raced across Wyoming and down to Utah into Mormon territory. Mm. So much secret special underwear. Sorry, I was getting lost in my imagination, sniffing them. (laughs) Oddly enough, despite the fact that the Mormons didn't trust outsiders, and just a few years earlier they had robbed the Russell Waddell and Majors Company blind, the two sides didn't seem to have any hard feelings towards each other. Actually, there were several Mormon riders, and the Mormons worked hard to protect the stations from attacks from Native Americans or highwaymen. A.K.A., you know, robbers. Oh, no, I like highwaymen. The ones with the black bandanas over the face. Yeah, it makes our profession well, sound so trying, much better. <laughs> trying to protect myself against COVID. No! You thief. <laughs> No free man would wear any sort of mask over his face. You know, the virus can pass right through that thing if oxygen can, you fucking moron. You fucking beta (laughs) cunt. 
You know what? Fuck you. Give me all your money, you fucking bitch. Come on. Yeah, but the the particles that carry the virus, you know, like saliva particles, um, mu- mucus particles, all that, that actually gets trapped, and so it prevents a lot of the spread. <laughs> Whatever, cook. But you got fucking virgin children down in your basement, you're just drinking their blood all day. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you be laughing about that if that's what you believe? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I bet in 1860 you voted to... Form a strong federal government and, uh, wait, no, shit, shit, that's what we did. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. We're not political, though, so. No, no, we're definitely not. <laughs> From there, the Pony Express route would span across the Great Salt Desert of Utah, through northern Nevada and Carson City, and then through a narrow pass in the Sierra Nevada Mountains and into California. Then it was all downhill to the new capital of California, Sacramento. On Thursday, November 15, 1860, a writer arrived in Sacramento with the news of Lincoln's election. The writer still had mail to deliver to San Francisco, which was the end of the line. But by this time, telegraph cables connected the two cities, and the election news could be delivered, and the Pony Express would be given credit in the newspaper byline. Well, surely this credit that was given in the newspaper byline would boost public perception and would guarantee William Russell and his buddies the coveted California mail contract. Right? I mean, it had to. It had to. Yes. Yes. Hold on. Let me read this next. Oh, unfortunately, (laughs) they were dragging their feet and Russell was going broke. So he bought some government bonds that no one was actually supposed to sell them. In the hopes of paying uh, paying them back before anyone really noticed the money was missing. <laughs> also, unfortunately, the country was on the brink of war with itself, and people tended to notice when hundreds of thousands of dollars went missing, which were um, essentially billions. Yes, upon trillions. trillions of dollars in yes. today's money. <laughs> yeah. In December of eighteen sixty. Russell was arrested for his part in this scheme, but was later acquitted, possibly because the outbreak of the war put the scandal on the back burner, but also possibly to protect some important political figures who had helped him gain the ill-gotten funds. It's kind of similar to, I I don't know, like the Panama Papers and the thing that came out, Mm. Cambridge Analytica, you know, uh, you know, it's not important. Let's just move on. Let's move on. Um, Did you know... That illegals are trying to cross the border. That's crazy, right? Let's let's just focus on that for a second. Hello. Hello. <laughs> the Pony Express continued to operate in 1861 and gained the mail contract with the stipulation being that Wells Fargo, who at that point was a stagecoach company, would control the second half of the mail route. Another part of the deal was that once telegraph cables reached across the entire country, the Pony Express would be officially dissolved. It, you know, because these guys were broke as fuck, the three men who actually owned the Express had no other option than to agree to these terms. Been there. And your wife's like, you know, I caught you doing this. I caught you doing this. I caught you doing this. Uh, obviously, you're going to have to give me half of that podcast money. I'm like, oh, you know, it. You've only found those three things. There's a lot more. So, yeah, I'll sign there. Okay, okay, okay. Let's settle. <laughs> Sucker. Settle out of court. 
I've caught you doing this. I've caught you doing this. I've caught you doing him. There's <laughs> <laughs> no, you're wrong. He did me. <laughs> Half of your your predictive text says secret underwear for some reason. Like it, like every other word is secret underwear. What? It, how often do you type that fucking word? Yeah, baby, I'll settle. I'll settle. You know what? <laughs> Yeah, know what you know. You don't need to know more. Let's just settle right here. Let's call it quits. <laughs> well, William Waddell said fuck it. Retired, went back home to Missouri, where he had to sign his house over to his son so it wouldn't be repossessed. Alexander Majors remained in the shipping business and did well for himself and would eventually write a best-selling book about the American West. William Russell went broke eventually racking up a debt of over $2.5 million in that day's money. Yeah. That's not even today's money. But man. Holy shit. Just wait for seven years and it'll fall off my credit report and I'll be fresh, clean slate. Fuck you guys. Damn. If a $5 post across the U.S. $162. $160. Yeah, yeah, yeah. $160. Then... 2.5 million would be 76 million dollars. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Like one check bounces and gets a $35 credit. I'm like, oh God, I'm such a piece of shit. Oh God, I'm never going to have a house. I'm never going to have a car. The old non sufficient fund fee. <laughs> right. <laughs> you imagine writing a check for $76 million and gets another $35 tacked on. You're like, I'm ruined. I'm ruined. <laughs> that's, that's all it took. Holy shit. Oh, God. Oh, no. I only had 75 plus million. <laughs> that fucking Netflix. It went up. Everybody knows it went up. God, God damn, damn it. it. What was I thinking? I bought those tacos at Jack in the Box. God damn it. God. I knew better. I bought those 700,000 tacos at Jack in the Box. I'm such an idiot. <laughs> They're not even Only good tacos. Only because I overdrafted. <laughs> not because of the amount of tacos. <laughs> I was trying to ball on a budget. <laughs> <laughs> I met a girl in a bar. I was trying to look cool. God damn it. <laughs> it was Lizzo. <laughs> Well, Waddell, he moved to New York, where he made ends meet by selling quack medicines. You know, like, uh, you just take some vitamin C, some vitamin D, some hydroxychloroquine. <laughs> you don't wear a mask, because the mask mm -hmm. actually trap the COVID particles. That's true. That's true. Which don't exist, but if they do, it traps them in there. Yeah. And by, by, you do not. Take that vaccine. It will make you metallic. Mm -hmm. And um, Bill Gates. Will know I don't even know. It's so hard to keep up with it. Yeah. Bill Gates. I got, know where you well, are I got at my all two times. shots. I got my, I got my Bill Gates chip mm -hmm. shot. And then I got my Elon Musk slash Biden shot. So I'm not oh, sure. See, I, I just got the Bill Gates one and the one that made me want to protest for George Soros. So, oh, yeah. oh, a little bit different. Okay. Maybe it's the Johnson Johnson. I don't know. I don't know how it works. <laughs> In the end, the Pony Express was a complete failure that lost millions and, 
despite its popularity during its heyday, it was nothing more than a historical footnote. And that really makes you wonder why we're even talking about it. End of se- Wait. What? What's that? Oh. Why are we talking about it? Why do people even remember it? Oh. Well, it's all thanks to one legendary cowboy, an even legendarier bullshit artist, named Buffalo Bill. Nah, no, Wolf, come on, Wolf Dick, different guy, different guy, come on, man, pay attention, Jesus. He is an idiot, he truly is. <laughs> You're the worst producer of a podcast ever. <laughs> it's almost like the auction got cut off to his brain for several minutes for some reason, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, episode blah, 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 blah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Wolf Dick. William Cody, better known today as Buffalo Bill, is the most famous man to have ever ridden for the Pony Express. Even though he probably never actually rode for the Pony Express. And let me explain that. Buffalo Bill was born in 1846 in a log cabin in the Iowa Territory to a family of Quakers. I love Presumably, their oil. the oats. Damn it. Damn you. Yes. Damn it. Yes, I heard you doing it. <laughs> Fuck you, no. Chris. <laughs> I was going to say, I love, I love their oil. I'm okay about their oats. God damn you, you son of a bitch. You turned it around on me. You got me, you son of a bitch. Got him again. (laughs) When Buffalo Bill was young, a cousin taught him the art of breaking horses and getting them to ride so steady that you could stand on one's back. According to Bill, when he was just 14, a Pony Express rider couldn't make his run, so the station master asked Bill to take the reins and make a very, very short 45-mile journey through territory filled with hostile Native Americans, which Bill did happily. You know what? I've been playing a lot of Call of Duty. All you gotta do is load up on the armor packs, get you the old M16 with the burst fire. These guys won't know what's coming. Fucking idiots. (laughs) (laughs) Bows, arrows. (laughs) I'm not worried. (laughs) I mean, the crossbow's a one-hit kill, but you gotta be accurate. You gotta hit it, you know? (laughs) Bill said he worked with the Express for two months until his mom got sick and he had to quit and go home to take care of her like a good, loving boy. This guy is a legend already. I can't believe all this. It's just so crazy that this happened. I can't, you know, just such a good guy. I'm sure his story is going to get crazier and more unbelievable from here. Just can't believe it. It's actually downhill. If you guys want to tune out, I totally understand. Uh, Yeah, completely. Start thinking about laundry and shit, like I do. Gunshots and explosions! (laughs) Tits and special underwear! (laughs) If those things catch your attention, (laughs) you're in for an even better surprise. (laughs) Honestly, those were the pinnacle of the entire show. So (laughs) Give up. If you actually do want to switch over, go ahead. (laughs) But, wouldn't you know it? William Russell himself had taken notice of young Bill Cody and wrote Jack Slade, telling him to take the teenager on as a writer. Slade didn't like the idea, but Bill talked him into it. 
He was given a route in the Wyoming Territory, and he was so damned good that within just a few days, he was making extra long rides and had earned a raise. Holy shit, dude. It reminds me of Napoleon Dynamite trying to tell a story. Like, oh yeah, I was in Alaska with my uncle and I killed like 50 wolverines. The fucking shotgun. What do you, what do you think? Jesus. <laughs> Soon thereafter, disaster seemingly struck when a group of Native Americans stole a bunch of Pony Express horses. Luckily, old 14-year-old Buffalo Bill was there to save the day. He gathered up 40 men and devised a plan to wait until dusk, run into the Native American village, and steal the horses back before a defense could be mounted. <laughs> and of course, it worked perfection, and everyone went back to town and got fucking hammered in celebration. Yeah, yeah! I love that. I love that. All these grown-ass men just standing around, what do we do? And you know, look at this 14-year-old who's just over there dabbing his fucking ass off. Yeah, yeah, you know what we do? We'll just steal the horses back, guys. And like, yes, sir. Salutes. Like, <laughs> yes. Well, he was wearing all his Fortnite skins. <laughs> yeah. So they knew. You know what? This is a man with creditation. <laughs> He's earned that shit. Yeah, look at him. He's got war skins on. He's got his Fortnite cosmetics. He's wearing them. He's doing all the dances, dabbing his fucking ass off. Let's go, men. Meanwhile, in the background, you hear Buffalo Bill's mama going, Billy, did you take my credit card again? Shut up, mom. Shut up. <laughs> I finally got their respect. Shut your mouth. Well, the guys are like, wait, what? Was that your mom? No, it's your mom. I fucked her. Oh, yeah. yeah. This yeah. guy. This of guy. Did. <laughs> Thanks, stepdaddy. <laughs> Let's go. Says a 36-year-old Jack. <laughs> well, Greg, little known fact or fiction. According to Buffalo Bill, it was during this celebration that a stagecoach driver got into a drunken argument with Jack Slade. At which point, Slade shot the man and went right back to his drink. And then, everyone clapped. Soon thereafter, Bill was on a hunting trip when he was ambushed by some horse thieves. As they were attempting to rob him, he pistol-whipped one and shot the other dead. He had killed his first man. He went back to work for the Pony Express and stayed with them until they dissolved in 1861. Now, hmm... All of that is very entertaining and eventful, but it's probably all bullshit. What? Why did you tell me that stuff, Greg, from Hunter Proof History? I've been listening intently. What a dick. You're a dick. <laughs> You're not wrong, Billy. You're not wrong. But the Pony Express never hired anyone that young. William Russell spent most of his time in New York and wouldn't have recommended anyone to Jack Slade. And Bill's sister would later say that while all this was happening, Bill was actually in school carving the logos of hair metal bands into his desk. Yeah, I got some Megadeth and some Poison mm, in there. Get that Talica in there. Yeah, <sighs> that M. It, it takes a lot of work to perfect that M in Metallica. It's a fun M. It is such a fun M. <laughs> now, we do know for a fact that Buffalo Bill would go on to serve in the Civil War as a scout. For the Union. Good mm -hmm. guy. 
Good guy. You know, it kind of makes sense with kind of what he was used to. Yeah. Didn't really get into it, but his dad got stabbed for giving a speech in Kansas, basically saying, hey, I don't think a new states should be slave states, but old states should stay slave states. And somebody was like, no, fuck you, and stabbed him in the chest. Die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he would keep that job following the war and would even guide one well-known military idiot by the name of George Armstrong Custer. In 1869, while working as a scout in a war against the Cheyenne, Bill would actually guide the troops to a strategic advantage and would be key in winning a battle in which he would kill a Cheyenne chief named Tall Bull. In 1872, he'd be key in another victory and would be awarded the Medal of Honor. Because he was a civilian, Congress later took the award away from him, but it was restored well after his death. I want a bunch of awards after I die. That way, you know, I'm rotten in the ground, worms are eating me, I'm just dead flesh, decomposing, but at least I know someone uh, decided that I was worthy of an award then. No, you know that when I, can, I was alive and I could reap the benefits, go to a, a MILF jazz bar and say, hey, baby, check out my Medal of Honor. See this thing? President put that on me. He touched me. You want to touch the man that touched the president? Hotel room 716, baby. And then I end up, you know, jerking off alone. But at least I have that interaction. <laughs> like, yeah, you're jerking off to that interaction. Yeah, sure. right? Yeah the, yeah. the image of what could have been. Mm-hmm. But if you do it after I die, it's I'm jerking off in heaven as to what could have been. And it's not the same. Gosh. I can't wait to do that. <laughs> the old heaven jerk. I mean, you know, we got the uh, the flashlight, mm -hmm. the blowjob AI. Have you heard of the blowjob AI? No, I have not. I have not well, heard of my this. My buddy told me about it. It's like one of those things. <laughs> like the flashlight. <laughs> it's it, it's the next gen. Imagine what they have in heaven. Well, in heaven, the girl that you were, like, pining after in high school, she has to show up because it's heaven and you get everything you want. And then she's really bad at it because it's high school and you're like, oh. What if what you want is, you know, there was going to be a hit to her popularity. <laughs> uh-huh. And so she doesn't want to do it. She has to do it. Right. Are you still in status? heaven? I don't know. Heaven's confusing. Like, I'm married still, in heaven. Are you still in heaven? Like, yeah, yeah, I know you have to do this, but you know, it's a commodity at this point. <laughs> is, is, is she okay with that? Is God okay with that? I don't know. I don't know. Heaven's confusing because my wife's going to be there. My wife's going to be like, what the fuck are you doing? I was like, well, I, you know, when I was 17, I had really big fantasies about Elizabeth Berkeley. I watched Showgirls. Mm. So, how? I kind of want to have sex with Elizabeth Berkeley. It's heaven. It's heaven. Come on. Come on. Jesse Spano from Saved by the Bell. Come on. Come on, yeah. baby. And she's like, well, it's heaven. I guess you have to have, you You get to do it, but I'm going to judge you the whole time. I'm like, well, this is the shittiest version of heaven that ever existed. You have ruined everything. I want a second divorce. And then I realize I'm in hell. And... Jesse Spano turns out to be Screech. Oh. And, you know, all of a sudden, I'm not in control anymore. 
Oh. And he's taking out all of his aggression because Zach bullied him. He's bullying me. And, uh, you know, it's a whole thing. Okay. Uh, but somehow I'm still aroused throughout the, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it was also during this time that William Cody became known as Buffalo Bill. In between scouting jobs, he sold buffalo meat to soldiers. In an 18-month period, between 1867 and 1868, he is said to have shot and killed over 4,000 buffalo. You know, and that, that might be impressive if buffalo weren't so goddamn passive and dumb that they literally stand still while you kill their entire families in front of them. <laughs> they just they do. You know? They just sit there, man, and let you fuck kill them. Still, in 1869, Buffalo Bill had met a writer named Ned Buntline, who took all of Bill's bullshit stories, added six more layers to make it a nice, mmm, delicious seven-layer dip of bullshit, and turned Buffalo Bill into an international sensation. In December of 1872. He convinced Bill to move to Chicago to star in a show based on their bullshit stories. The show soon went on the road and was a massive hit. And this part of the story kind of reminds me of, I don't know if you ever saw it, the movie Unforgiven. Clint Eastwood and uh, Gene Hackman. Of course. It's probably one of the best Western movies ever made. But in it is a English guy named English Bob, uh, who they call the Duke of Death. And his writer's following him around, making all these bullshit stories. And finally, Gene Hackman's like, here's the real story about this motherfucker. Here's what he really did. And that's kind of the same thing with these guys. Uh, Wild Bill Hickok shooting a guy from behind a curtain, killing him, shooting him in the back. <laughs> yeah. You know, Buffalo Bill didn't do any of the shit he said he did, but it didn't matter. Because they had the writers behind him. The writers could come up with these stories and make them look like legends. The mythos. Mm-hmm. That's all it takes. That's why I've paid a hundred Bangladeshis to say I have a giant dick. Hasn't worked so far, but uh, you know I'm laying the groundwork. Laying the groundwork. <laughs> okay. <laughs> In 1883, Buffalo Bill took the show outside so he could incorporate horses, stagecoaches, and rampaging armies of Native Americans attacking desperately outnumbered hero cowboys. Who, of course, would always win. What? What? How? What? Oh, okay. I don't know. Why did the white guy always win? That's crazy. <laughs> Imagine that. The show would grow and draw massive crowds and would feature Wild West legends like the Lady Sharpshooter, Annie Oakley, and Lakota Sioux Chief and noted Custer Killer, Sitting Bull. And at that point, yo, know, the Sioux have moved to reservations. Everybody hates him. And he just has to be this guy that goes around fucking touring like goddamn Chuck E. Cheese. How defeated he must have been by then. Yeah. Not a good ending for a legend, right? Well, then he gets killed by his own people. But that's something you have to listen to. (laughs) An older episode to hear about. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Chris, the one thing that never changed about the show over the many, many years was that every performance began with a romanticized version of the story of the Pony Express. Oh, tying it back in. We're back. Here we are. And so, 
because a great showman felt a need to justify the lies he had told about his youth, the Pony Express, which honestly was an abject failure, became the stuff of legend and even found its way into school textbooks for generations. Sometimes with history, that's just how it goes. The story itself might not be that interesting, but the legends and myths that it spawns can keep us enthralled and make it so we don't actually care what the real story was. Case in point, this show was supposed to be about the Pony Express, and I stopped talking about the root of that shit about 15 goddamn minutes ago. (laughs) End of story. Whoa! We did it. We told the story of the Pony Express and several other stories, just mixed them in. Got you guys all confused. You're eating combination fried rice. You didn't know if that was chicken or shrimp or beef. It didn't matter. It all tastes the same. It all tastes delicious. And you enjoyed it. You fucking know you enjoyed it. You'll come back for more. (laughs) But first, Gregory, it is time for Fast Facts. Fast Fact number one. Of course, the actual facts and figures that you would find in a ledger book have long since been lost to history, but it is possible to estimate how bad of a business venture the Express actually was. Historians figure that the 18-month operating cost was upwards of $700,000, and at best, they would have brought in about $175,000. That means, in just a year and a half, the Pony Express Company lost the 2021 equivalent of $17 million. Fast fact number two. We probably wouldn't know of men like Jack Slade today if it weren't for a little-known author named Mark Twain. In 1860, as he was traveling west and still going by his birth name of Samuel Clemens, Twain became infatuated with the Pony Express. He found the idea of young men risking their lives, riding day and night through desolate country to deliver mail, to be romantic, and would later write a book on the Express and the exploits of its riders. Fast fact number three. We mentioned that the riders were asked to value the mail over their own lives, and to that effect, they were incredibly successful. One bag of mail was stolen in June of 1860 when the rider rode into a battle between U.S. settlers and the Paiute tribe of Utah. No one really knows exactly how it was stolen, but it was the only mail ever lost by an express rider, and it was actually recovered and delivered in 1862. Fast Fact Number 4 In the late 19th century, several people came out of the woodworks to lie about riding for the Pony Express. One such man was a guy named Bronco Charlie, who said he became a rider at age 11 when another rider was shot and killed in Sacramento. (laughs) Who wouldn't shot and killed in Sacramento? Am I right? Hey, 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 hey. Anyway, he became famous for his exploits, and when he died in 1955, he was called the last living Pony Express rider. Even though by then his stories had 100% been proven to be absolute, complete, and utter bullshit. All right. We told that story. We, We told the truth about that story. There's a lot of myth. There's a lot of legend. 
you know, basically what you had was a mail service that delivered mail fast, but lost a lot of money, failed as a business, but introduced the world to some very interesting characters. And we hope we told those stories well. Hope you enjoyed it. I know I enjoyed talking about it. I can see, looking through the Zoom, that Greg has enjoyed this whole thing. Those nipples are so erect. It's it's unsettling. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it is a fun topic to cover, mm-hmm. but maybe we have to fill in some some blanks with some jokes. Yeah. So I hope you yeah. guys are okay with that. All right. And you know what? For the first time, maybe in the show's history, we did a good job not just pissing all over the bullshit legends and telling you the real story. We, we, we let you guys just have the legends. Just enjoy the bullshit lies that have been told to you your whole life. Like, uh, you know, someday you can make it, you can be rich, you can be successful. You can be the <laughs> no, president. No, 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 yeah, no. <laughs> You're a nobody. You'll die a nobody. Anyway. Dad, is that you? <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening to 100 Proof History. You can find us on social media at 100 Proof History, 100 Proof History. You can find our website, 100 Proof History, and there you will find information on our Patreon, which if you subscribe for just $3 a month, you get access to our episodes early, a few days early, whenever we finish editing them, two, at least two days early. Uh, you get access to all of our videos early. You get access to like a hundred things that no one else can hear. Just a bunch of history. No one will ever learn because they're idiots and they have nowhere else to go for this stuff. Sorry, I'm thinking about those Mormon boys' underwear that came to my door. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, anyway, Chris, go ahead. Yeah, so check that shit out. Check out HunterProofHistory.com. We thank you guys for listening. For our esteemed invalid producer, Wolf Dick. For our intro guy, Dan, who did basically nothing today. I am your co-host, you're maybe, I don't know, you know, just let me know in the comments, sexy co-host Chris. And I'm your main host, Ricardo. That's not right. That's not I've right I've changed at all. my name. I'm changed oh. my name. It's Ricardo now. We thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, Ricardo, what else? I just, this is hard, but I want to let everybody know in podcastland mm-hmm. that uh, I'm in trouble. Mm-hmm. I said that I was going to beat my wife or whatever going into the break, and she heard about that. And so oh, shit. I now have to get on the beat and pull out back as usual, and she's going to just mercilessly whip me. So mm. <sighs> that's where we're at. Well, thoughts and prayers, buddy. Hopefully, she doesn't notice my boner. Uh, join the Patreon. Bye. <laughs> All right. Well, uh,. Bye. Oh, I thought you were making a notation of what I said. No, I'll remember that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, okay, bro. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I got nothing to do tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. After I get done with the funeral and bang my wife, because for some reason I always have sex after funerals. Just want to feel alive, Greg. Just want to feel alive. Well, I say that ad supposedly existed because it only so fucking asshole. What a dick. Mr. Me.
Quit jacking off on camera. <laughs> Up here? It's going to be a boy. Because you're only going to hear it. Oh, you're only. It's so dry. Dry jacking. Sounds like it hurts. Daddy, can I have some lube? No. 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 Can I spit on him? for himself. Sorry, son. <laughs> well, according to Hickok, the bear tackled him and mounted and mounted his mounted his ass and just started going to town. Uh, what if it did mount him though? He's just trying to make gummy bears. <laughs> well, Wild Bill would go on to work as a lawman Wild in some Wild Bill. Wild Bill. <laughs> Wild Bill was dominating his opponent, Jack McCall, and that, what I say? Nothing. I was just dominating. Just that sentence is funny. <laughs> With his double strap on. There ain't no safe word. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think this is dominatrix stuff. <laughs> Bill, I think they call this rape. Having a good time. The second half is going to take like 20 minutes to get through. <laughs> Having a good time. <laughs> well, make some jokes, bitch. I don't got anything. and You don't got anything. We're both drunk. Let's not pretend otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> What's a word that starts with D-I that's not dildo? How did we get here? I tried. And if I fail, I'll delete it. <laughs> it's that easy. <laughs> Cheers, my boy. <laughs> Maybe a couple weeks ago, I was drunk. Her family was over here, and I saw a neighbor outside mowing. I went over to talk to him. I was like, hey, man, do you like whiskey? And he's like, yeah, you know, sometimes. I'm like, hey, I have like... <laughs> he's mowing. Hey, I'm, I'm, uh. He cuts off the mower. Hey, uh, man, I'm sorry to interrupt. This is important. Do you like whiskey? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yes. 